I think everybody's creative. I think, unfortunately, a lot of times, maybe when we're younger, we don't realize that somebody put the kibosh on us. Maybe we were doing a drawing when we were six and our mom was like, what's that, you know? <laughs> the poor kid is like, oh, fuck. Welcome back to Color Pod with Kazid. Thank you so much for tuning in. We're going to be interviewing Eric Javan, a.k.a. Lumino, on Instagram. And this one is going to be jam-packed because we've been talking back and forth and we're figuring out ways to just bring you the most value and share personal experiences that he had throughout his career. And what a freaking career. His list of artists that he's worked with is just out of control. Okay, think of anybody big and he's worked with them and he's worked in pretty much every major country. So there's so much stuff that we're going to discuss. How's it going, Eric? Good, man. Nice to meet you. Let's go, dude. I'm so excited. So, Eric, for a few people that might not know who you are, do you want to give us like a brief intro? Yeah, sure. I'm a cinematographer, photographer, originally from New York City, and I currently live in Athens, Greece right now. I started way back in the day, I'd say in the 90s. <laughs> so I originally was going down a different path. I didn't really know anything about cinematography until, uh, funny enough, it was the movie Natural Born Killers that turned me on to the whole filmmaking. And I thought it was uh, Oliver Stone doing all of the stuff. And uh, that planted the seed for me. So I finished out college with a math degree, which, okay, it comes into to, uh, you know, it comes to help these days. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, it was definitely like, you know, I was in college and I wasn't feeling anything strongly or passionately. And it wasn't until I felt that movie and how visceral it was and the imagery that it really planted the seed. You know, I got out of school and it was like, do I go to film school or what was my choice at the time? And I had been in school for so long, you know, my whole life. I was like, I'm just going to do it myself. At the time, my father had a mom and pop photography store in Brooklyn. So I just, I got a 35 millimeter camera, 50 millimeter lens. And like every day I just went out and I shot a roll of film and he would process it. And this was even before, like I wasn't emailing. I didn't have a Mac, nothing. Mm -hmm. It was just like I put Casino on rerun or some of my favorite films and I'd go out in the streets with my music, two in the morning, ride the subway. For me, it was like all neo-noir. And I guess, you know, a lot of that comes from my my journey of just being alone and, and in the streets. And when I heard the right music, it became like a movie for me. You know what I'm saying? Huh. So that that's how I, I taught myself, like in very, you know, short. That is insane because... One of the things that I notice is like when I go on your page and I scroll through and I don't think I've ever found an image that I go, huh, like, you know, I can do that. And it's not like it's it's shot on a jib, you know, like 50 feet high or there's anything like crazy stuff happening. There are things like there are images that are really crazy. But the thing that just surprises me the most that it would be a street photo like it's just like literally from a pov and you're taking a shot and i look at it and i'm just like how did he make it look like the way it looks and the the feelings that i get when i look at it and obviously that is shown by the love that you get on your images too like what makes a good image a good image in your mind you know it's interesting uh journey because like all this started pre-internet 
pre-social media, it was like a process of discovering myself. So, I mean, I'd go out and, and shoot things that, you know, I imagined a, a certain way and I'd get it back. And I was like, okay, that wasn't quite it. I just sort of gravitated towards whatever moved me in the moment. A lot of neo-noir stuff, a lot of underground, gritty, New York City. This, I think, has been kind of the trend that's been going on a bit in, uh, in Instagram. Everybody now is like on the whole cinematic thing. What do you mean when you say that? That's the question these days. Like, I've gotten random questions out of the blue, like, hey, are these lenses cinematic? There's way more attributed now to the technology. And granted, it's come a long way. I mean, I started in analog, so I was shooting film. And, you know, you don't see your results right away. It takes a lot of practice when it came to that. I mean, now I think the learning curve is a lot shorter. Thanks to all these technologies, the LEDs, amazing digital cameras, you can achieve results instantaneously. I didn't necessarily answer your question, though. That's why I asked, because, you know, the way I share content is like, I don't care about the theory. You know, I have a merch that says, fuck theory, get results. Like, I don't believe in theory so much. And I feel like so many people get hung up on that thing. And I'm like, taste is so much more important. And now more than ever, with the rise of AI, a lot of these technical jobs, like if I can just speak on my end, you know, color grading, setting up your color management pipeline, things like that. You know, we went from like having 22 options to choose from to two options to choose from. Now it's like SDR or HDR. And then Resolve is doing the heavy lifting. It's figuring it out, yeah. you know, all those other things. Yeah. So in this world, where are we at? Like, that's why I feel like this thing that experiencing with like, let's just say with your art or people that we watch, like if Tom Pool is grading something and I watch it and I go, oh my God, like, it's just, it's chef's kiss. Like, it's so tastefully done. What is that thing, right? So like, I feel like that is going to be the ultimate differentiator moving forward. That's something that is hard to explain, but comes with repetition, years of experience, the content that you consume, you know, that sort of thing. So like, that's why, you know, I, I thought of that question because I always felt that being on your page, I'm like, man, like this guy just doesn't put out crap, like, but it's not as something that just he keeps getting lucky every post, you know? So what is that thing? If I had to say one thing, it might sound strange, but the third eye, when I was going into that self journey, I was doing a lot of journaling and from that journaling came a lot of poetry. And I noticed that like my poetry, if I went back and read it, was very photographic, very descriptive. Once I switched over, I feel like the poetry infused into the photography. I think that's what I find hard when people say like, you know, how can I make your images like yours? I mean, there's definitely a thing that I do in Lightroom or to put a little kiss on top of it, as you said. But really it's, it's coming from inside me. It's like there's this great quote, like we take a handful of sand from the beach and we call it our world, hmm. you know? Yeah. So in a way that's what it is. It has changed. And I, I've said to my friends sometimes, it might not be true, but I almost feel like my work before Instagram may have been even like stronger. Why do you say that? I don't know if it's stronger. Maybe it's just like it was more pure. Again, I, I want to keep digging. Like, why? Okay, now everybody's so influenced by Instagram. Everybody's so influenced by social media, by movies, by films. It's like all we do all day is look at stories. You see the most popular people or whoever's getting featured or whoever gets the likes and it's like, Oh, wow. Yeah, that's the image I want to go for. That's great. But like, honestly, it's become very cliche. Like you can see the cliches out there. And for me, they're really tiring. You know, I used to think like I always do these beams of light and smoke it up. And, you know, I still do that from time to time. But 
as I got older into filmmaking, I felt more, you know, especially in the narrative world where it was about telling stories to express something that's coming from the scene and uh, represent something that's going on with an actor in their arc. I'd like to do use the cinematography and like take all those things into consideration. Not every scene is going to be about like, what's the most beautiful, what's the most stylistic? Like, oh, I'm going to put an HMI through the, through the window and haze it up and and boom, we're golden. Okay, yeah, but you know, to tell a story in a deep story, I mean, it's like, I mean, the perfect example is like Deacons, you know? He stays very true to the narrative. And sometimes it's like bright, and that's where they are in the kitchen, like Revolutionary Road. And sometimes, you know, then you go into the noir, but I think the way he does it is very seamless. My mind is kind of spinning. Let us spin. This is where we dig deeper and find something that's more than what you're calling, like, you know, which is people either regurgitating or repeating the same formula for the likes and like that kind of thing. And to break past that only happens when we just dig a little deeper, like go a little deeper and just try to keep like poking at that thing. And then, you know, you might give people something that that little nuance that they just go, oh my God, something clicked. Like now it's making a lot more sense. And that's why I'm fascinated and interested in talking to talented people such as yourself because i'm just genuinely like i i like to study like really good artists and yeah. i am always just looking at why why that hue let's talk about this thing that you're seeing like where we're kind of living in a world where everything is starting to look the same so let's explore yeah. it a little bit more and i want to ask you you have so much experience you came through like shooting film where you are today and where we are in the world today. I feel like I see so many music videos. Granted, I really like grain, but I think it's just getting to the point where it, it come on, just stop it. it. There is a way that it's done right. Like euphoria is good. Yeah. Like that's a good yeah. example. But then it's just like everything is looking like euphoria, but not really. And then everything just has that cake on grain. And I'm like, Whoa, it's just so nice. It's like saturated, yeah. It's an oasis to then see somebody like Jill Bogdanovich with John Wick 4, and she, like, there's barely any grain. Punch in, like, 400%. You barely see anything, and she's just sort of, like, accepting and loving the digitalness of, like, these sensors that put out really clean images. And then even with the colors, like, they're not desaturated like the film would be in certain ways and then deep when it comes to like skin tones or reds or stuff like that and i kind of like embracing you know the new thing like but what i want to ask you is that years later why are we still chasing the film look and what's so special about it i think we always have film on a pedestal you know and it's it's always going to be emulated i mean I heard, you know, Richardson talk about like his his new show that he did with Will Smith and how they were embracing the digitalness of it. I I don't know if I agree. I mean, he's definitely a hero of mine, but you know, not everything has to have that blatant filmic look to it. It could there definitely can be a subtleness to it. I mean, from back in the day when I was shooting transparencies and slides, you know, there was often there was no grain. I, I don't know. Give me an example. What's you see? The thing is, you mentioned Euphoria, right? But like, the second season, I believe, was all film. The second season now, is shot on film. The first season is shot digital, but then yeah. they added. I think it's a type of grain. It's it's slipping my mind. Oh. It's not cine grain, but yeah. Yeah. So they could have put a they could have put layer over it, right? Just yeah. 
yeah, answer? They did, exactly. I mean, you know, all those things I hope are pushing some kind of uh, subtext. I didn't see the all of the second season, but perhaps they wanted to get into, you know, just this real gritty, dirty thing. I like it if the intention is there. That's what I mean. And like back in the day when I used to shoot film, it was always an intention because, you know, you'd put the role of film in and it would be Tri-X or it'd be Portra or it'd be Plus X or Kodachrome or whatever you have you. And each of those film stocks have their own inherent look to it, right? So once you get it back or you get the prints or you get the slides, you look at it. Now, oh, you have to, back in the day, I was getting it from a printer and he was making his decisions looking at a negative, just, you know, blue, minus green, magenta, like basic stuff, which now we totally blow away with, obviously, Da Vinci. But anyway, you know, I'd get it back from him and sometimes he would print it the wrong way, but he didn't know my intention. Like I was going for a silhouette and he printed it up. The bigger question that you're saying is why do we keep bringing it back to film? It just, it has that magical, magic element to it. I still shoot it. I still have like 10 film cameras, but I will agree with you and say that like digital, I mean, I've been very impressed over the last decade. I mean, it's definitely taken over. You know, I shoot on the Alexa, I shoot on the Red. I have a Komodo. The one August night piece I told you in Greece was on the Alexa. And then I think a nice combination is, you know, is what you like to do. I actually saw one of your stories. It was, it was interesting. But like to put the vintage glass on it and make it a fusion. Somebody who is as like experienced with film, what digital cameras do you think come close or are impressive? And I was going to break it up into cinema cameras and then prosumer or like consumer cameras. So you already answered the cinema cameras. Reds are great. I love them too. I feel like nothing pushes harder than red. Like if you give me Weapon or Monstro or Helium, I mean, you can push the fuck out of it and it holds. It, it just takes it. It takes the beating. Uh, so it makes it a lot more fun for a creative because it's like a blank canvas and go fucking nuts. Like just do whatever somebody wants and you can push it with Alexa. It has that inherent like film, like curve, like where it takes, it doesn't take much to get there. And recently what I've been doing is that I'm taking away the grain. I used to add additional grain, but what I'm experiencing is that with Alexa, there is that monochromatic grain element in there that is so nice that you can just leave it and that's good enough majority of the time. But then let me ask you in terms of prosumer or consumer cameras, because there are so many people probably would love to hear from somebody as experienced as you, what cameras are you seeing on a low tier that are like just fucking knocking it out of the park? On a low tier, like give me an example, of, you know, like the DSLRs, what? for example, like the Oh, yeah. Series. Like, I mean, mirrorless cameras, like, you know, I mean, uh, Greg Frazier shooting like the creator on FX3, you oh, know, yeah, like yeah. that, you know, that kind of thing. And it's a $2,800, $3,000 camera. I think it's more about, again, this is the simple answer is that goes back to, you know, the cook in the kitchen. You know, it's like, I've always made that analogy. Like, like, look, I'm a terrible cook. Like, give me like a hundred thousand dollar you know oven or whatever it is that they use i don't even know yeah yeah i'm right there with you why am i gonna make it better like just because i have the so some of a lot of it is that like i, I mean back in the day i used to shoot like what you were saying i had the hvx i have the dvx i had the uh the adapter i put the minolta lenses on it i just knew inside me what was like what quality felt like and i would gravitate towards that Nowadays, there, there are those tools in the smallest things. Like, you know, you see even cinema mode. Like, I have the, the 14 Pro, 
I don't really mess around with it much, but when I mess around with it, I was like, wow, it's pretty dope. I mean, I haven't taken it into DaVinci or any of these things. So like the film, you know, the creator, which I haven't seen, but I've heard about it. And, you know, congratulations to Oren on that. Yeah. It sounds really smart from something I heard where, you know, they took a lot more of the budget invested in going into, you know, more realistic locations because films that shoot in real- realistic locations resonate with me more. And I think we all know that, like in our minds, we yeah. just know when it's green screen and too much VFX. It's like, yeah. so... As good as, you know, not dissing the Marvel fans out there, but... I was thinking the same, yeah. Yeah, like, I think we're... It's just, I'm so tired of that, Yeah, you know? There's a difference. We went to see Saw last night, which, you know, it's a guilty pleasure. I freaking love all the Saw movies, and this one was actually pretty good. And we're at Saw 10 right now. But all the commercials that they played before the movie, all the previews were uh, of the MCU. It was all Marvel Universe. And what was really insane is that Every movie started with, you took everything away from me, I will destroy you. You took everything away from me, I will destroy you. You took everything away from It was like three different like MCU movies and the same plot. And my wife and I just like looked at each other and I'm like, did you fucking notice this? Like, I'm like, what the fuck is going on? Like, can they even just get creative with like just maybe a different log line? Like something to start the trailer with? Like what is really going on? But... I feel like that's the yeah. thing, right? Like the the cash grab idea is cute, but 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 we were just like laughing. I looked at uh, my wife and I said, you know, like Robert Downey Jr. is to blame for this, you know. <laughs> like it just it is what it is. I mean, that's a sidetrack. It's cool. Like I haven't really kept up with a lot of movies recently, but but go ahead. But I want to ask you this, right? So like we just talked about Greg Fraser, Oren, the, the creator on FX3. Uh, I think two monumental things are happening. Like one encouraging creators to go shoot on location i feel like oh my god the, the the physical aspect of like the tangible nature of like touching and feeling something compared to just like green screen i think they still haven't nailed the physics of it yet maybe we will uh, in the future so there's a big difference there and i think secondly the articles that i was reading that was very exciting for somebody in my situation and other people who want to be colorists is because they said Oren said, like, we took the budget, the money that we were going to spend, like, 100 extra million on, like, camera gear and, like, bigger crews and all those things. And we spent, like, fraction of that in our post-production. And we just went ham. And, like, you know, we were able to pull a lot, like, the colors and all those things. And that is, you know, like, the job security, like, sounds very amazing for me. And just the future is bright for, like, you know, post-production, things like that. But what I want to ask you is that, what does it mean for the future of camera technology? Like where you can take a $6,000 camera and a $65,000 camera and they're sort of like in the level playing field. Ooh. Ooh. Interesting, interesting. I don't know what that means. I mean, I guess it means, you know, it allows people to t- tell more stories and allows people to put out more content. I don't know if that's a better thing per se. I mean, we are very saturated already. Did you mean it? Let me let me let me phrase it better. Let me I'm mixed on that to be honest with you, but go ahead. Yeah, let me rephrase it. So, how can you still make your images look unique technically? Well, yeah, what's funny is that there have been times where I get a you know, I'll put a series together, and um, for me, it's like trying to put a series together that go to get that has the same story, vibe, whatever, and it's not necessarily the same format. 
a lot of times it's a mix. And so I did nine or 10 ones and some were from Fuji. I had the X-Pro2 for a while. Fuji has great colors coming straight out, especially with stills. And I had like the 35 millimeter frame and that, and there was about, I had the A7S2 back in the day. And I used to put like Russian lenses on it and Minolta lenses and PL mount lenses. And then I had like an iPhone one, but I ran it, I ran it through like a heavy post. Like, I don't know if you ever messed with uh, mixtures, but there's this thing called mixtures where you can add just layers and layers and layers and layers and go crazy. And then you can control each layer. So it gives you, you know, you can get your light leak in there and you can tell it what side of the photo to, uh, to put it. And then you could dial it in and you just, it's from for the phone. So there's times, a lot of times, like my point being is that I took it with the iPhone and I clocked it through. Somebody wrote, oh yeah, number seven, because it's 35. And I'm like, actually that's iPhone. Yeah. yeah, yeah. They, oh my God. Were, that is amazing. And then they that deleted the comment i think they ran away they were like oh shit like yeah 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 <laughs> so that's so, that's the crazy thing yeah we'll see movies that look beautiful right but if the if the acting is not there the story is not there you know if we're cinematographers or we're filmmakers we might sit through it and be like oh yeah that coloring is dope there and that shot's amazing the anamorphic book is crazy but if at the end of the day you're trying to make you know, a successful movie, you have to have all those elements together. And I would rather have the, the story and the acting precede the, the technology, whether it's film or iPhone or EX3. Let's, let's, let's talk about this then, because you already said it. So, and I also like know that uh, a lot of people, at least to my knowledge, I went to school for cinematography minor in editing, ended up being a colorist, which I feel like is a DP in post sort of role, right? Like we're doing so much, we're, we're handling images with the same amount of care. And especially when somebody has like a background in cinematography, you have a respect for the image, the, the negative that you get. So like when I get like pieces that I'm working on, I don't just go in and just drop the exposure because that's where I'm going to get the depth in my reds and stuff like that, just because, you know, if I know that that was cinematographer's intent, like then I'm going to respect the exposure and then build my curve around it and all those things. And I feel like uh, cinematography background helps with that to like respect like what the cinematographer intended. You mentioned like taking the images, like even iPhone images. And if you know what you're doing on the post and like, you know, you can fool so many people thinking like, you know, it's 35, but it's not. What's your, so your take on basically using old glass, weathered glass, like things like that to give a different sort of personality would be one way to differentiate your work like than the next person where we're in the, in the world like where a $4,000 camera sensor is almost as big as like, you know, Alexa and giving you 15 stops of dynamic range. So would you say that, that, you know, glass can make a difference? Glass absolutely makes a difference, but I wouldn't say that I always lean towards the vintage. I mean, I think it's a really nice fusion that they've come, you know, filmmakers have at their, their hands now um, because you have the cutting edge digital technology and to take that, that hard edge off, you know, would go to, like I've like you probably know the vintage Russian lenses. Yeah. Like one of my favorites is a, is a mirror 35 millimeter f2, and like you don't even need any filtration, but like your background goes crazy, like so buttery. They're, they're but, crazy. Like I use Helios, and that yeah. was insane too. 
Yeah, exactly. A lot right. of them keep going. I have the, I have, yeah, that's like the new trend. And I mean, those are those are nothing to buy. I mean, like even reminds me of when I used to shoot with my Holga, my Diana, which is a 120 plastic camera with a plastic lens. And it's like, you know, I get it back from the lab and look at it. And it was very painterly, like right off the bat. It's a little bit all over the place. I mean, like, so it depends really what kind of piece you're trying to put together. You know, obviously, like, I would want to have the acting and script and, um, you know, the, the greatest lenses for the job. That doesn't always mean it's a vintage lenses. Like, I've used the Cook S4s. I've gotten stuck with, like, that last thing I sent you wasn't actually my choice, but I came on a little late to the show. And it was Zeiss Master Anamorphics. And I was always a little bit skeptical because I always felt Zeiss was like very, you know, clean. clean. Yeah. Like a little too uh, generic or not generic, but I don't know the right term right now. But I put black satin. I'm, I'm big into filtration just so, again, to emulate that, that filmic look. So when you have, you have the highlights that bloom, you know, and it takes off the digital edge. And I wound up really loving those lenses i mean mechanically they're perfect like there's no breathing or anything there's one guy that i want to really praise and uh rest in peace uh paris savides you know he used to do a lot of great work for gus van sand and like david fincher um i don't know if everyone knows who he is these days he's a uh, like greek american and he died about like like he was like 55 he did a bunch of madonna videos and then he did a bunch of really amazing films and like he really pushed the envelope when it came to film and exposure. There was times where, you know, he wrote, it was in a book where he was like, I don't know if I was going to even be invited back to the set, the set the next day because he was pushing under exposure to that level. What's really inspirational about him and that I've taken into my work and like when I've done film, but I also bring it, I'd say bring it into my digital work was like living on the edge of that exposure. And like people will say, well, this is technically right. Like, okay, you need a stop and a half to two stops of overexposure to have a dense negative, blah, 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 blah. Okay, that's fine. But like, fuck it. Like you said, like, let's get to the artistry of it. So he was saying in one of the books that it was like, anytime he saw something special when he was watching the dailies, he, he noticed that he had really rode that line hmm. of exposure. Yeah, And yeah, just yeah. finding the sweet spot. That's, that's that thing. That's that little extra thing that I'm saying, the magic, you know, and again, going back to like, you know, your your work, it it has that extra ounce of that. One of the images that I wanted to show is that I feel like a lot of people run away from the yellow hue, right? Because it can easily can just look really gunky and bad. And then there's one shot that you shared with me uh, through WhatsApp and I was just looking at it and I'm like, oh, my God, it pops so hard and it owns that hue so authentically. And I just feel like those are the things like writing that line, right? Like just staying on the cusp of that and holding it because you just know that this is good with stuff like that. You'll have like opposing opinions, right? Like people are just going to be like, oh my God, like, what were you thinking? This looks like garbage. I will bring the contrast down. I would do X, Y, and Z. But like then it just like sits in a spot where you're just like, there's nothing, it can't get any better than the way it looks. I want to go back to like, you know, you talking about, you know, the Zeiss Primes, which are basically Deacon's go-to lenses, right? And the reason yeah, why Primes are <laughs> Primes are his lenses is because he hates vignetting. He hates like any sort of artifacting. 
and 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 you can see that in Sicario, in Blade Runner, and obviously yeah. the subject matters too, because Blade Runner twenty forty nine. So like, it doesn't need to look weathered or like you know grainy or anything like that. So he's actually taking that off. But the thing that really is inspiring about that sort of mindset also to me is that that's why people are always just kind of going nuts. They were like, if he's using master primes and, and we're thinking like, what is he doing to get these looks? Then that makes it really freaking interesting. Like what is really happening with composition and lighting? Well, to see, that's what you said, because that's like a perfect test right there. Right. Because he uses the same camera, same sensor, same lenses, but different narrative. Right. So that's where you can really see it. Um, I mean, if you're looking, I don't know what yellow one you were talking about, but if you if you're just taking an image and looking at it, I don't know. I mean, these days, like, what are, what are we doing? Like, what kind of realm are we talking about? We have to get contextual about it, right? We're seeing on Instagram usually, you know, we're just scrolling and liking and this, that, and the other. But if it's in an actual film where the context is, you know, appropriate for that yellow light. I think it's a Chinese restaurant or something. It's like I can see some writing on the windows and the door is opened and then you can see like a fluorescent oh, okay. and like an orange light in there too. But that shot, like, and you know, it has oh, a nice oh, haze oh. going and everything. That shot right there and that yellow, because you can just easily grab that and swing it more and make it like the, the modern day sodium vapor, right? But I feel like just staying there was just such a artistic choice or like what about that one shot and it's just it's so such a shame that we can't share those images but like the shot from the hotel room or whatever it is of all the buildings like the skyline and then the off-white moon those images and that like color story I feel like is just the kind of thing that so many people just kind of go I have to play it safe especially in my world I get so much of just like people always going why did you change it? It was so much better at Rec 7 or 9 because they just don't want to fuck with it. You know, they don't want to keep it on the edge. You know, they, they don't want to go to the next level. It's like nothing ever that you see, you know, in movies like Joker is not straight out of like the Alexa negative, like how it shot it. Like that's not just Rec 7 or 9. Like, you know, Rec 7 or 9 is never intended for the final image. That's just like converting your image to, you know, the, the proper... Uh, color space where you can just view it on your monitor but you have to build the look on top of it so i feel like it's just like one thing at a time to like build your images but ultimately developing that taste is still like very important i mean going back to something real quick you said about like joker and rec 709 i mean that i would like to think that that was their intention going in and rec 709 is a great place to balance everything on set you can do on-set lots, which I've done, That's what which they are did. great. Too. Yeah. I think it's important to respect the intention of the photography, not necessarily like, well, I'm going to take this image and like make it look 24 karat gold, which is, which is fine. I'm just saying like, it depends what context you're talking about. Like 100%. if you want to bring them to the next level with your artistry and I've seen you do it, yeah, do it. Like by all means, like go crazy. Like if, if you were my guy and I, even if I had, an idea for the show and I wanted to go that way, I'd want to hear your feedback for sure, whether it was before or after. Being uh, locked out of so many color grades and unfortunately it's, uh, it's 
quite a, a hard process, you know, especially when you see the results and you remember being on set and it's like, I always go and try to get 99% there or more. And I'm like, shit, you know, like, I don't know what's going to happen later. Like, I'm not going to get a call. They're just a lot of these, you know, hip hop videos and commercials, even the advertising agency runs with it. And then, and then I see it. Oh, where can I see a cut? Like you cut it already? Like you didn't call me? Usually they don't want to call a lot of time cinematographers because, you know, it costs money to sit in on the, but. Yeah, the sessions, yeah. No, like, it's. it's that's, a, that's a stupid way to cut corners. And then it's like, okay, I saw it. And I was like, why? Like, why did you make that decision? Like It's the worst it's, experience, yeah. It's not to be pretentious and say like, you know, we are the artists, you should call us. But it's like, yeah, we should be there from the beginning through the end. So in order to protect that, because as you know, with color grading, man, like, we're talking about like small little moves that you do gives you, you know, your special sauce and like the grain in the right spot and the sharpness in the right spot and the hues and all that. It's like, it's like painting. And these guys, you know, I mean, no, you know how easy it is to fuck up an image. Like, it is so easy. Like, I mean, that's why you'll never see anything that I worked on back in 2010, 2011, you know, because it's just, you look at those things and you're like, that's when I was getting into it. And I'm like, oh no, why did I do that? Like, you know, nobody needs to see it. Burn those drugs. Right. Right? Like, like, I mean, that's how you, that's how you learned, right? Right. You know? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But, but my thing <laughs> is what, what you're saying is just so funny because in our DMs, you said that, you know, you tweak your images like a mofo. So then I'm like, oh, my God, I can't even imagine how he feels because as a in a traditional space, like as a cinematographer, you're handing it off and walking away from it. Now, in my case, one of the things that I do that I put in my terms and conditions is that you guys will not get a project file. Fuck you. Because every time I have given a project file to these fucking directors or anybody, they just go in and start fucking with it. They just start tweaking it because they think they're going to make it better. And then I see the final and I'm like, yo, Joe, what the fuck happened here? And he just goes, oh, I don't know, man. Like this one shot, I just felt like needed a little contrast. I didn't want to bother you. I'm like, dude, it looks like fucking shit. Like, what did you do? You know, so I'm just like, nope, you guys are not getting the final. Tell me, just call me. And if it doesn't happen, well, it sucks to suck. Like, you know, then it's just going I mean, up the way it is. Yeah, yeah, that's smart man that's really smart uh i i would say when i when i said i tweak it like a motherfucker is like i think i probably do that a little bit more with with instagram in a funny way and when i post because i know i have full control there i mean i will I take as much time as possible if i'm giving to a colorist a reference frame or if i'm seeing a pass like the one august night show that i did which was 84 days in greek running up a flaming hill on fire was an amazing experience. And my colorist, as I think I mentioned to you, is an amazing guy. Like we already developed the LUTs beforehand and we, we loaded them into the, the Flanders and he insisted get the Flanders, it's fully calibrated. Cause that's another thing that people aren't seeing. Yeah. It's like, it's your monitor that you're seeing and it's also the, you know, the light that's in the room. Sometimes I, I get a little depressed because, well, okay, my parents, God bless them, you know, they're 80 years old and you know they have the soap opera effect on like everybody does and i'm like let me fix that for you you know yeah yeah yeah. no charge and like you see the difference they're like no no same thing same thing bro like i mean it's like my my yeah my wife and i why am i shooting 24 frames a second like to emulate filming you know like like let me just 
Let me just take Let's a talk about that. Somebody who, again, grew up on film, what do you think of the vertical format? Yeah, I haven't really done much reels. I did I did do a commercial once where I was B camera, and uh, yeah, I remember I, I had to rig the red like this or, Alexa, yeah. or whatever it was. You had to put the handle. Because everybody wants it. Like, your delivery specs must be crazy now. With Dude, media. It's 16 insane. by 9, 9 by 16, 1 by 1. I mean, like, how do you even frame uh, something these days? You know, that's why I mean, like, if you're going to go to the theater and you're going to go to the TV and see, that's that's why I aspire more to do, you know, like narrative work. I, I want to know where it's going and what then I can have the attention intentions and proceed. Don't get me wrong. I, I do the commercials and sometimes they're great. But like having all those different delivery specs for, I don't know, it's not really my thing. Anytime something is too generalized, like it's not going to have that special effect, that special sauce when something is intended to be seen a certain way. Like watching Oppenheimer, we got lucky. We went to see it in a theater that's one of 28 theaters in the world that is one six story tall like screen. And two, I think it was the actual film projector. So we actually got to experience it the way it was intended to be experienced. And I feel like almost there or even better experience than watching Blade Runner. Like it just, oh my God, like my brain was just like, the, 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 don't get me wrong. Like I think narrative wise, it was just kind of slow, whatever, just for my taste. Like I liked it, but I'm, I feel like, you know, Nolan has done more entertaining, better stuff before. But just as like the art aspect of it and the way it looked and on that massive screen, like you can pause a frame and you can't find a flaw. And more importantly, I'm just sitting there going at awe. I'm like, if I am a cinematographer or a colorist and I've worked on this picture and I'm sitting here looking at it on that big screen, oh my God. I mean, it's it's more than a freaking Oscar. It's more than anything to just experience that on that level and go, wow, what an art. And, you know, that's the difference, like what you're saying, like the watered down version where it's like, hey, there's going to be seven deliverables. So the framing is going to be this way. So we can make a nine by 16 and this, that, and the other thing. So of course, if it's not with that one solid intention, it's not going to be the same. So I feel like that's one thing that is changing. Let me ask you another question. With the birth of like, like short form content, TikToks, Reels, it's doing two things. It's changing the way we're telling stories. It's changing the way we're consuming stories. What's your take on that? How do you see that? Yeah, that's not that's not that's not for me either, man. No, I don't get into it. Like I do, I go through the reels and stuff, but vertical is just not my thing. I, I mean, look, that, that's wrong to say. Like in terms of still photography, I do have certain things that I frame vertically. I haven't opened my mind to the point of like motion picture. And I know that it's to be embraced, especially because of smartphones, right. you know, that, that that sort of thing. But like, and I do, you know, admire the painters and photographers that use the vertical canvas. It's probably one of the reasons why I don't have that many reels up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It makes sense. And it's, yeah, it's, it's very difficult. It's a completely different world. Uh, it took me a while. Like, I mean, it, I think that's what like threw me off my game for a while because, you know, I'm coming from working on commercials, like episodic uh, stuff and as an editor and then grading uh, long form content too. And recently, well, I've done commercials for the longest time, but then working on music videos and stuff, it's like, it's a lot different 
But at the same time, now, currently, like, you know, like did a worked on a Adidas campaign and it was straight up nine by 16. Like, it's not even, they're not yeah. even bothering with like, uh, just like going it on broadcast because like the eyeballs that you get on social oh. are so much oh. more. So it's like, now we're just going straight to that, you know, and that changes the way you grade it yeah. too, because uh, just like what you're saying, you know, you tweak your images a certain way uh, for Instagram. And I don't want to uh, say some names, but I talked to really crazy, like top colorists in the world that say similar things that they're just like, I just straight up asked him, I'm like, dude, this pop is out of control. Like, it's so freaking good, blah, blah, blah. And he's just like, oh, I take it in Lightroom and then I tweak it before I put it on Instagram. So I still put a little extra sizzle on top of it for Instagram because that's just, you know, you have that's to exactly be. What, that's exactly what I do Yeah, a lot of times. You just have to be in intentional for each platform you can't copy paste which is actually not a bad thing but it there is a learning curve you know it just takes a minute to kind of adapt to that new thing the one thing just to add to that was i'd say the the for me in learning it was a great fusion of all different elements from having my own dark room and shooting analog and then you know getting that scanned and working and then get working in the digital world and taking my images, whether they originated on film or digital, into I never really got into Photoshop, but mainly Lightroom, and learning to you know caress them and get the radials in then and the linear gradients and you know there's just a ton you can do to achieve the look you couldn't achieve maybe on set, let's say, or you, I just came up with some crazy shit. Like now I'm learning a little bit backwards, like to take it into Da Vinci, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's it, like there's like just the possibilities. Are... Picture, yeah, and you know, with AI, obviously, it's making it easier with all the magic masks and stuff. Right, exactly. Like it's it's almost like you have to slow it down. Um, a lot of the times, like I have to pull myself back, and I'm just like stop with all this like granular stuff. And and that's one of the messages that I give to everybody. Like when I'm teaching this stuff, that hey, primaries first, and stick to the broader stuff like for the for the most part like 80% you get granular on that last few passes where you just go okay now I'm going to go in and I'm going to do that extra little sizzle that extra sauce that's going to just like mm, like get it to that yeah. next level but that shouldn't happen you know it's good for get inspired like sometimes I get a project and I just like look at it and I'll pull one shot and I start actually grading it because I'm like I want to get excited about what the end result is going to be yeah. And then once I see that foresight and I'm just like, oh, shit, I'm pumped to work on this project. Let's go. And then you got to do all the steps like balancing your footage and just kind of go right. through like the grunt stuff to get to the, the good stuff. So let's talk about this, like 84 days worth of shooting on one August night and you were working on a TV show. It seems like you had a blast. So take me through a little bit of like, is there a pre-production involved? Like, how involved are you from start to finish? And then, you know, some of the ups and downs while filming something that is that long. And like, did you guys film it in like eight months or did you guys film it straight like 84 days? It was last year, 2022. We started like June 20th and we went to beginning of October. So we didn't have enough pre-production we had to move like gangbusters and I mean, we had the talent, which was important. We had the script, we had all that locked in, but then we had to go around and find right locations who would give us the permits. 
we just we had to compromise and say, all right, we'll make it work. You know, we were really trying to wrap our heads around how we we're going to pull it off with one unit and limited crew and all that kind of things. Because really, it came down to it was about a 50, 55 minute each episode. Right. And it was 14 episodes. So you do the math. We had about six days per episode, one unit. Wow. And we had we popped in a, a B camera from time to time when we could, but it was just like run and gun, just drop you in the fire. And and my intention was to pull out images like from directors and cinematographers and films that I love. Like, and I'm I'm glad that it, you know, a lot of them show through. Like oh, yeah. Tree of Life and, and um, you know, stuff from Godfather, like a revolutionary route. I really like the having period pieces, you know, mm-hmm. something about it. It gives a different extra layer of texture that, you know, there are times where you don't have to do much. Yeah. But yeah, it was definitely a challenge. And then it wasn't in my language. And another thing, too, was the challenge of we had these days, but they couldn't really be scheduled around like what's ideal for, say, the cinematography, the lighting, production design. It was just like top tier actors, you know, and they were the best and they're, you know, they were great. They came through, they delivered. Um, we had to just work around their schedule. So it was like, he's available then, she's available then, but we're doing the scene where they meet at the door. He knocks on the door, she answers. We're like, I have to do it two different times a day. I mean, by that point it was like, just throwing it out there. It was probably day like 72. So I was like, whatever, just yeah, yeah, what yeah. You got. we'll yeah, figure yeah. it out. You know, and then in the grade, and that's the thing that's, really wonderful about like what you do and and grade and colors these days is that you you can you can make those things feel a bit more seamless like yeah back in the day they couldn't you know because they're just they're just grading photochemically Mm. you're not using power windows you're not doing any of that that's right Um, yeah we didn't want it to come across as a like an episodic like a standard tv show we really wanted to push the envelope in terms of like if you look at it there's a lot of one shots uh, there's not all this cutting and coverage. So it has like this feature quality to it. I mean, it's very dark, but that's definitely up my alley because that's usually the work I do. It looks so good, man. Like, I mean, it just, it's so tastefully done. A person like you who wants to, like, and, and I feel like that goes for any cinematographer, they would want their vision to come through till the end. Um, would you then in the future be inclined to do like build LUTs beforehand and then like just like what you did on this show like with your colorist and then that way you had it on Flanders you can expose to that and everything so then you just kind of know that 90% of it will be there and then we'll do power windows and secondaries and just like add more spice yeah exactly I mean there were times like that you know I loved and hated that monitor of course you know I knew it was on point but like we were on the beach sometimes and we had to like put the black yeah. black and just really cover it down because it, ha- it has no backlight. But yeah. I was really careful about my exposure and, you know, I was I was always on top of the false color and always on top of the, you know, not trying to clip. And we're talking about shooting, filming in Greece in the summer. Sometimes windows like we couldn't control. I couldn't reach them to put up, a, you know, a net or a silk or to knock it down. So I had to like put a light and rig it above the window, but then I had to use like wall spreaders and just on the fly. So it's cool. I mean, if I could pull that off, like I often wonder like if I'm on like a really big budget show, how that will go down. I mean, I think because I worked my way backwards, I've become really resourceful at being able to do high quality work with very little. I think at times 
Hollywood just uses too much because maybe they have the 10 ton truck. Oh yeah, let's just use all these lights. Like, you don't need to, man. You know, like I just, I learned a lot from like painters, not, not one-on-one, but obviously just being exposed to right. it, traveling the world and these things, like from observing environments. Why do I like that so much? It was all about observing light coming in through the window. Oh, it's hitting the building across the street, which has a little bit of glass, a little warm tint on it. And it comes right through the window and rakes really nicely onto the, the bookcase. Taking those things and, you know, photographing them and going back and remembering it and then bringing it into the show, whatever it may be. So I had a lot of room to experiment. And yeah, it was cool. And, and the other thing, too, is like, you know, it's OK to light a space and let the actors move in that space. And they don't always have to be lit perfectly. And that's not real life. That's, you know, it's one of the things that are happening more and more, where it's just like the blocking is kind of becoming a thing of the past. Like they're really lighting the sets and just like actors do their thing. And I think a lot of it started with going from like a film nag, you know, where you have only 12 minutes or eight minutes to shoot. So you have to be very restricted and in this box to like, you know, Fincher mindset where it's like digital, I'm a roll for like the next 18 hours. We're just going to do our thing. <laughs> and it's just like set up the lights and let them just go nuts. You know, uh, performance is more important. So I like that. I think what you're saying and what your expertise are is like where the world is headed because what we learned from the creator is that that's, you know, now that's mainstream Hollywood, right? Like, I mean, it's still not a, a movie that was done with pennies. Like it's an $80 million film that he said would have been a $300 million film, but because of like, you know, a small crew and what they did, it ended up being an $80 million film. So, you know, all the suits like in Hollywood, who wouldn't want that? Like let's spend 80 million and make a billion, right? Like that's better than spending 300 million and making a billion. Like it's a very simple math, you know? So I feel like we're headed in the right direction with that because that also makes it a little bit of like a more of a level playing field with very talented artists that are working on short films and creating that content. And like now they're basically given like the similar tools and ideas uh, and frameworks, because when big directors and big cinematographers or, you know, if you're working on something and you create a framework, then everybody who wants to be like Eric now goes, well, Eric also shot this with a $3,000 camera or $5,000 camera. And then he's kind of taking me through how he's done it. I can do it, too. So I think it's kind of cool that we're entering into this world compared to like thinking that, oh no, unless I have hundred million dollars in that budget, yeah. right? Isn't that no, cool? It's definitely come down like a long way since back in the day with film, like, you know, you should only be able to use film and now perhaps it's coming full circle. Like I have mixed feelings. I think it's good for people to be able to tell their stories and ultimately like be artistic. If that's what you feel like for me, like imagery is, is my life like that's how I came to the decision like if I had billions of dollars I'd still be doing this you know I really love photography with the release of the new Alexa 35 and not having that much hands-on experience with it right now I'm not gonna lie I would like to get my my feet wet with that a little bit before I get onto the small cameras again but it, but again it's about ultimately what the end goal is I have a friend who just bought one and has been playing around with it he just sent me some footage and he is going nuts he's like dude alexa 35 to like you know alexa mini and mini lf because he owned alexa mini lf all of those and he's like 
it doesn't even come close. He's like the new texture thing that they added. He's like, it just takes the entire image to such a height, like next level. And even with their new updated color science, he's like, mm. dude, like he just can't stop talking about it, which gets me so freaking excited. And like, I'm going to be putting out a video next Monday on it. So I'm I'm stoked to try it out. I feel like that was like one of the disconnects that we did have for a very long time, which everybody cries and moans and bitches about like getting that green texture like right. Because I feel like no matter what you try to do in post, it is it's getting really good, but still sort of like caked on. Like I like I said, lately I've just been kind of repelled to use it because I slap it on and I'm just like and I'm doing all the tweaks and everything to get in there in the bones like of my image. But still, I'm just like, uh, because most of the time I'm working with like Monstro and I'm working with 8K and like uh, Mini LF and these cameras, they're just shooting such pristine images yeah. that it's sometimes like hurting my heart to like slap grain on it. I'm just like, ah, <laughs> like, I don't know. Yeah, like but- if I'm working with like a7 III, maybe, you know? Yeah. But what's funny is you, you just, you said your friend, I mean, like I haven't messed around with the 35 much. Um, but they have those built-in textures, which yeah. while seems fun, it also, you correct me if I'm wrong, but uh, b- bakes it in. And, it bakes uh, it in, yeah. Like I said before, it's interesting because like, I come from the analog world where you know the tensions are, okay, I'm going to use this film stock and I know what kind of grain structure it has and what the color is going to be. Of course, it's malleable a little bit in post, but I don't know. Look, I would, I would mess around with the texture element of the 35, but if I was doing a big show, I might want to just throw that in later. You know okay. what I'm saying? Just like, no. But but in in terms of the dynamic range, well, I'm not like I haven't I haven't tried it yet. So yeah, yeah, like, yeah. Terms of the dynamic, I, I, dynamic range, I definitely could have used it on um, the show that I did because that was one thing that was always, you know, what I was always trying to do constantly was control the ratio of how hot is this window going to get. And what do I need to do to bring my interior up with the limited budget that I have with these, um, you know, with my lighting? So that was a constant challenge. But then when I saw, you know, the false color side by side of the Lexus 35 versus the the Mini, and it and it looked like it it jumped up in like a couple, two or three stops maybe, in the, in highlight. the highlights. It's like that's kind of crazy. Yeah, that's kind of yeah, that's kind of awesome thing to have. But again, like, you know, I, I learned the old way shooting like reversal film back in the day black and white it doesn't have that much dynamic range and you got to nail the exposure it's like shooting transparencies you know i had to bat when i first started i sent you a couple of images but like even just a third of a stop like under if you bracketed third under exposed properly and a third over you could see it it was very sensitive back then if you shoot transparency But I mean, there's something cool cool about it. It's like, you know, blowing highlights is like a thing that I've been experimenting with lately. Like we're letting go of a lot of it too, because you see it more and more. And I'm not talking about like just any work, like the work that I personally really like. Like, it's not like every window is always protected. Like sometimes it's just like blowing it out just takes the attention off of it. Like that's not something that I need to look at. Like I'm focusing on the person and I'm not saying all the time, but like with the right context when you're telling a story like you're just kind of like okay like i don't it's okay because most of the grades that i see like a lot of the times like even i'm talking about professional work and i don't want to say any i don't want to call out any work but netflix whatever i'm watching content and i'm just going 
well, that's too muddy. Like, you know, you're, you're just, the highlights are gray and you're pulling it down too much to kind of protect it. And it just, was it that necessary? Because now maybe I'm a colorist and that's why I'm paying attention to it. But now I'm noticing it more than if I would have just like not focused on it. Because right now I'm talking to you, the window is open behind me and there's a sun out. And when I just like look at you, focus on you, it's like blown out. I can't really see outside, you know, like when I'm focusing on you. And most of the time when we're watching content, we're focusing on the face. So then you kind of have to think of it like from that perspective, right? But, but as artists, as a cinematographer or a colorist, I'm not thinking like that. I'm pausing on every frame and looking at every single thing in that frame and just kind of protecting it. Like bring that back, bring that up. Like, you know, well, what yeah, you yeah. I think that's like, right. You know, the, the, I hear what you're saying. I mean, for me, in terms of highlights, like, if I'm on a show and I can control them, I mean, I'm doing the best that I can because, you know, they just look terrible when they clip. Yeah. If anything, if I have to be in a situation where I can't bring any more exposure into the shadows, we can dig that out. Um, if they're specular, yeah, I'm cool with it. Right. If, if it happens, it's like one and done. But I think if you're learning cinematography, it's very important to to understand that. Like, I mean... I had to learn it from a different way. Like I learned analog. And then I also told you I was shooting like weddings on film. And they look so epic. <laughs> Thank and then I was doing, um, when I first started uh, cinematography, I was also working on a crew as a gaffer a bit. So I didn't want to really AC as much as I liked like cameras and the whole thing for it. I didn't want to like the whole OCD, keeping the camera clean, the gate clean and, everything so pristine and like I really had this thing for light so it was a good fusion I mean to have the an analog the photography the dark room and then go into film cinematography while also being a gaffer and sometimes a key grip it gave me a, a good background a good base I'm just trying to say for anybody I guess that's aspiring um, cinematographer it's great to wear those hats as well it is wonderful that we've come so far with the, the modern technology and these, the images that you can get and and put and adapt any lens to it you know it, it it's super helpful to kind of I mean, just like understand like me having a little bit of a cinematography background comes in handy like a motherfucker when I'm working on when I'm grading stuff because it's really easy for me to just kind of go this should you know it will it will make sense to look like this like sunsets should just go in this space and they should look like that like I have a reference point you know because either I've shot it before or I know what a good sunset would look like compared to like if you're just looking at it for, and that's all your ex limited experience you don't really shoot then you're just creating colors and they might look artificial compared yeah. to like if you've just been there and you've tried it, tested it, messed with it and like really know how to dial it in. Going from a 84-day shoot to like working on a quick turnaround one-day music video. What is that like transition like, right? When that happens and then what's your take on it? Like when it comes to like shooting content like this compared to long-form content like a show. I didn't actually, like lately, I haven't been doing a, a lot of music videos, but after that TV show that I did, but music videos are another thing. You know, it's like, usually it's a two day shoot crammed into one. <laughs> yeah. And uh, the, the ones that I've been a part of, like they've been, you know, they've been great. I've been happy with most of the results. Um, they all came together really quickly. 
And it was like, we got to find this. And look, I have a lot of respect for anybody that just goes and does. Yes. Because Love that. I can, you, know, you can sit on your ass like all day and think about and think about and think about, but it's like, all right, like, let's do it, you know? So sometimes I, I have no time, but I'm like, I'm, I've been in those fires. So throw me in and, you know, let's light it up because, and, and that's what we did. And if you have the right people that you trust, the right crew, and you treat them with respect and as family, I think it, it's all going to work smoothly. Like that was another thing I wanted to say, just like with the TV series is that they they put together a really spectacular crew of of souls of people that like it was really a joy to come to set every day and it was really hard work but like when you're around people that have that energy i think it's really important and not all it, it doesn't always work that way as you as you know i mean my comparison to like just an aside from your question would be like i did a commercial right after and then I was able to have like my a full crew and like a dolly just to, to have the camera do a, a bird, a top down shot without it even moving. Whereas like when we were on, on set, we like, we didn't, we didn't even have a dolly. It was just all like my fantastic camera operator bios on, on a Ronin, just, just banging it all day. Like, and, and Zoe conducting and people, but uh, yeah. You know, it was funny to go into that commercial after and see like, wow, I got like, look at my crew and I could put up 20 buys. And at the end of the day, it's sometimes it's a bit weird because it wasn't really that creative, you know? So you got all the tools, but the creativity is not there. So what, the, and I mean, and what's the point? Of the time, I know, but then by the time I like I saw the end, it was two or three months later, I said, oh, how, how'd it go? Oh, cool, cool. And I look at it and it's like all the time-lapse stuff we did with like these, you know, when you put stuff in a suitcase and it looks like it's filling up, like that made the cut, but all the the stuff of the people that I put like the 9K through the window and was on the dolly and we did some pushes and all that, it just got cut. It just was on the floor. Jeez. So, so that's, yeah. why, that's why I think when I was leaving you that message, I was saying, you know, something amazing about the, the TV series was that we saw the fruits of our labor. You know, there's a lot of features I've done that, you know, ha haven't gone to television, haven't been distributed. I'm still proud of the work and um, happy to have met the people and some of them I'm still friends with, you know. But with the, t with the TV series, it was like every, every week it was going on and we hadn't really finished. So it was like we were, we were started running. But just to feel that like people were actually into it and uh that's so exciting you know, and rewarding and you know they were blowing up twitter like with all these you know amazing comments so that that's it's great to have that kind of um you know that that the message came through that there was a vibe there was poetry yeah in it. Well, that's what they were feeling, so. no that is so amazing you're working in different countries you said dubai and like other countries are you taking your crew are they giving you the crew there and how does that like make your job like difficult easy like you know indifferent it really depends on the place like dubai's pretty strong i can get a good gaffer there and then he can just bring his guys and i communicate with the gaffer and the key grip and my ac and everything is executed really nicely mm -hmm. there and smoothly and efficiently obviously production plays a role in that too i've been doing work also in saudi arabia which is a little more challenging. I think they're trying to get in the game a little more, but okay. uh, the experience level and sometimes the knowledge of English like gets in the way. 
Well, sometimes I'll be like, it has to be 50. And the guy was like, my AC would be like, 50 frames, sir, yes. And I'm like, no, the 50 millimeter. And, <laughs> and you're in a situation where, I don't know if it's a cultural thing there or just in general, there's like a lot of last minute stuff. Like, oh, client wants, and I'm like, damn. You know, you can only do your best in those situations. It's a cultural thing. <laughs> like, I, the, I, I have the roots the there. Last minute, yeah. The last minute shit, right? Yeah. You mean? Yeah, the last minute stuff. Like I have roots there, so I can tell you that. Like I mean, that's just like how I mean, how it goes. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and then the, you know the expectations so high, but it's like, okay, I got, boom, let's do this last minute. It's like, this is the best you can get for this last minute. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. The world that we're living in, where remote is becoming more accessible. You know, when we were talking, even you mentioned like working on Ed Sheeran's music video and you were flowing in, he was flowing in, you guys got it done, you, you, you know, walked away. So it's like, how can people find work? Is there like some tangible tip or trick or something that you can share people that are coming up and they're just like, hey, how can we hit the ground running? I say just go full force. You got to put the work in. In the beginning, I wasn't making a lot of cash out of this. And it, it really was never, I mean, yeah, okay, the dream is to do well. But you got to be willing to do whatever it takes. Like, it's almost like if your life depended on it. And, you know, the problem today is that a lot of people think that, like, they want to go to the top. Like, like, to be an influencer, it's like, all right, I'll get this photographer. I'll take a picture of my ass and... I'll pretend I'm in the gym and then boom, I got a million followers. All right. Yeah, we know that. And that works and you get paid and you feed your family and you get yourself cars, et cetera. But in terms of cinematography, like, you know, I think it's like you make the contacts and then do other jobs too. like do whatever it takes. I'm sure you've heard stories where, you know, people are PAs and right. now they're big directors. I wouldn't say run onto your next set as a PA. I mean, they do get kind of shit on, but. Hopefully you have a good enough producer that that treats people well. Um, Cinematography-wise, I would say, like, immerse yourself in the craft. And even if it's just you going and doing your own thing, you know what I'm saying? Like, with your camera, with whatever camera you can get your hands on, whatever camera you can afford, I would prefer that people find their eye. They can be inspired, of course, by Instagram and movies and everything else. But sometimes it's nice just to dial down the noise. Not, Not saying that these things are bad but you know we're so inundated by media right so just like go and find your eye like that's what i was saying i think in full circle about when i when i first started there was no computer there was no digital there was no instagram and it was just me and myself and my camera with the music and then you know i had to take these pictures compose them and then i'd get them back and you know and I look at my results and I had been inspired by certain movies and cinematographers, but honestly, man, I didn't really try to copy. I was inspired by them. And then I went and I found my own eye, which I think is something that hopefully, and I've gotten comments like that before that people see that it, it's unique. Obviously anyone can be a technician, but you got to push the boundary with that. Everything that you're saying here is like, could be a fucking ebook. Like there's just so much wisdom coming from somebody who's been in the battlefield. And it's such great advice because you have such a look DNA, like you just have such a distinct like style, but it's not like a boxed in, like this is the only thing that he can do. And I think we can say that about really great artists. Like, I mean, think about Greg Frazier, like 
yeah. you know, Dune and like, you know, the, the creator yeah, yeah. and everything else that he's done. It's just such just the pieces of art like Mandalorian. Like I'm watching it for cinematography. I don't even really care about like that universe, but I'm watching it for that. Yet it is unique to each story. If you were to sum it up for up and comers, how do you develop that taste? And I think one of the things that you said that just like kind of, you know, hits, hits a bullseye that you said, like, you know, you kind of just go easy on the noise, like the outside noise, because everything becomes like this regurgitating mess. Like I'm just I'm listening to this and I'm listening to that. And then when I talk, it's just like this guy's words and that, that guy's words. And same thing can go with like if I'm just watching this person's you know content and this person's content and then I make my own, it's like a little offspring of these two. Yeah. You know, and it's not it's like, necessarily it's like, it's like everything's a copy of a copy of a copy of a copy. You have to go in in order to get that outside vision and be and be unique. So um like if it is something that drives you as it did with me, there was nobody really like pulling me around on the leash. That's the reason I didn't really want to go to school and have, you know, strict orders for homework, shit like that. I wanted to do it at my own pace. I guess what I mean is like, this this could be like a whole nother session, but it's really about symbolism. There's a lot of symbolism. You can tell with one image, what an image speaks a thousand words, right? So what's your story? you know, who you are, that will come through in your images. You know what I'm saying? Not not just, you know, if you're doing a, a show, right, you're telling someone else's story, but you're still also putting your heart and who, you, who you've become into it. But if it's just purely photography in the world, when you go out and you look through that lens, it's like I said, again, with the sand, it's like you, you take a, a, a small uh, handful of sand and we call it our world, but whether it's right or wrong, who knows? You know, like my stuff, everybody, there's a lot of dystopia. There's a lot of yes. like loneliness. There's a lot of almost getting there. I mean, whatever you want to say. I have this obsession with windows. <laughs> you said Blade Runner has been like such a huge inspiration to you. What particularly do you love about that look? Oh, we're talking the the original, yeah. And I'm assuming that, you know, you you meant like the original. Obviously, you yeah. probably love the new one too, but like the original at the time was just like, oh my it's, God, you can watch it today still, and you're like, it's, yeah. It's still, yeah, man. It's still like super special. Um, uh, Jordan, uh, the Cronenworth, you know, oh, yeah. and what they did. Yeah, I mean, it was just groundbreaking for them back then. And I think it just, the, the visuals and... The story, uh, it, it did come from Philip K. Dick, right? I believe. Um, yeah. I'm not sure. Okay, he does a lot, a lot of sci-fi, but like just just the visuals, the photography, I mean, it's just it's just pure. It's like eating in a six-star restaurant. I don't know how to describe that. And if you do see the behind the scenes, they have a really interesting one about it. Like I didn't I didn't know that it existed. But you know, those are interesting things to see too, because you see the final product and you think, oh, wow, it's amazing. Of course, okay, it's amazing. But, like, did you see what it took to get there? I mean, there's stories of movies, like... Featurettes are that my, my favorite. That's the only reason why I buy films. Like, I... Oh, because you don't, you don't need to buy movies, you know, in this day and age. But the only reason why I do it is because if I see a film and I'm, like, very impressed, I'm like, man, you know, grab a cup of coffee, sit back, throw on featurettes, and just, like, eat it up. Like just oh, from yeah. start to finish, every single thing. Like I just want to know 
every single thing that went into it, even the things that are not even like really associated with like my profession. Let's just say if they're talking about costume design and stuff, I still want to know. And, you know, you can relate to a lot of those things and bring it into your world. There are projects I worked on where the director and I become good friends. And then he is asking for suggestions like, what can I do to get you even a better image? And then we are talking about like, oh, you know, think about costume design. Think about this. Think about that. Like create the teal and orange on set. Yeah. So then I don't necessarily have to do like yeah, recreate true. it in post, you know? And those kind yeah. of like conversations where some directors are very driven by actors and they're not thinking like that. But then the, you give them something and they're like, oh my God, like something unlocks. And they're like, well, how can we tap into that and do more of that? And then you kind of just give them that little, but I wouldn't have known about those things unless like I'm investing yeah, my I'm time, good. like watching that kind of, you know, stuff that might not be relatable uh, at the moment. I used to have all those DVDs, man. Like, especially the David Fincher film school. Like he had crazy featurettes on all his These are the best. Yeah. He's the reason why I'm, I'm in like filmmaking. It was, I was uh, going to school for IT and um, I was working a security job. And it was like a super chill, quiet, like second shift. Like I would start at 5 p.m. And then I would just bring my laptop. And all I did is just like watched Fight Club, like maybe 82, 89 times, like just start to finish and just kept watching it. Like, I don't know what well, took over. But that's, an, that's an amazing film anyway. I mean, that that book is, in, is, is insane. That author is, is, is amazing. The author is like insane, yeah. Yeah, did you? Did you watch it again recently? I know you've seen it 50 times. Already. Yeah. But it's interesting to see it now in the context of what's come out. Because it's like, I remember watching it a bit with my colorist uh, last year. And I was like, whoa, that thing is really fucking dark. Like, those blacks are so black. They're gone. They're go like, gone. it's just, they're gone. And I they're love gone. that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's very, it's very bold. It's very bold. That was a... Uh, I don't know if that was his last one that he did on film, but that's balls right there, you know? 100%. That's what I'm saying. And that's what kind of put me on like this. Like, I'm like, oh my God, I want to pursue it. I don't know what I want to do in the field because nobody comes from the, like in the family has ever done anything here. So I'm like, I don't know. I just want to go to school for like a general program and kind of figure out where I want to end up. And then the funny thing is like my dad was working a site where they were shooting Road to Perdition in Chicago. Oh, so he was he was working the site. He was like supervising a, as a security. And uh, he told me like, he's like, dude, you know, you're going to film school now. You should be a camera guy. And I'm like, dad, what are you talking about? I'm like, camera guys, like who cares about a camera guy? I want to be a director. I want to be like Scorsese, you know, because like that's just what you, you're like, I want to be on top of the food chain. And he goes, no. He's like, I'm telling you, even the director on this movie and Tom Hanks and everybody like worships this camera guy. Like he's the biggest freaking cheese in town. And I'm like, I don't understand. And then it was um it's Cronenworth's song exactly right mm -hmm. and i'm just like and he is such a big deal that i'm like no shit like but, after i yeah. after i learned about him i'm like no shit that everybody was just like dude you just do your thing but it's just like you know that's that's a full circle too because i was like laughing at my dad i'm like that's something that i will never do and then i ended up doing that and loving it so much and my dad is like you know 
a parent always knows, you know, their kids. And I'm like, okay, dude, you got me there. That's funny. <laughs> One of the things I remember about the featurettes too is that, you know, I mean, Fincher, he's a, he's a unique guy in the sense that, like, I guess you could say Hitchcock and, and other people, he just knew everything that he wanted from down to the T, from focal length to lighting to not taking away anything from the artists that worked on it with him. Yeah. But if you, if you watch that, you know, it's just, it's incredible how, how well he knows that crowd. How deep he goes and like how, like I, I've been calling this thing honesty and my wife always laughs at me and she's like, you know, you're just using a wrong term here. But I always say like, I'm like, as artists, when we're working on projects, we just have to be, it's more than talent. Like we have to be honest with what we're doing, like our part of the job. Because if an artist who is like, currently I'm working on a music video album, a whole album, and this artist is big in India. And now I'm working on his baby. I'm like, I have to be very honest and be gentle with like this thing that he is trusting me with. I cannot yeah. just do it to collect paycheck. Like it just, it's bigger than that. Like we just have to get invested on that level, you know? And I feel like when you read about Fincher and he said like, you know, I want him to come back for Mindhunter season three. And he's like, the reason why he doesn't want to do it is because he's like, you know, he worked 12 months straight on like a TV series. And it was just too much because to me, that is honesty. It's David Fincher. He's a freaking millionaire. He doesn't have to work an, another day in his entire life. But when he commits to something, he is that deep in to that thing because it has to be done right. And there's, I don't know what else to call it than freaking honesty. You know, that you're just like, it has to be done to that perfection that you and I are sitting here and going, this guy is like a, just a master of like every single aspect of filmmaking. It's not like he's just good at this one little thing and then the rest he doesn't know about. Right, right. Exactly. Like, that's, that's totally true. You know, I remember so, from watching those things. We got that question from someone and he's like, Eric, can you tell me if somebody who's colorblind could be a good cinematographer? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. They could be one of the best. Yeah. I mean, look at the Citizen Kane uh, stuff, Greg Toland and black and white. Like if you can master black and white, you got it. That's very interesting. Yeah. Yeah. It's like all about the tone, the tonal separation. I mean, sometimes it's even interesting. Like, you know, if you have your monitor and you take it down to black and white, that could really show you where all your values are falling. And I mean, forget about just technically, but just from like an artistic point of view. You know, I mean, that, that, yeah, that, that's a that's a great insight. I mean, 100 percent of like my contrast when I'm grading, like I have these uh, scopes that I use uh, by Omniscope and I I um, adjust my contrast on on black and white. Yeah. So it's just it's already there, like a little screen that's black and white. So like when I'm dialing everything in, I'm just going in there and I'm just like going all right, crank it because on color you would think, okay, this is good. This looks great. And then you look at black and white and you're like, it looks great. It doesn't even look black and white. Like it has so much more room in and then you crank it and crank it and you're like, holy shit, now you, it looks good. And then you look at color and you're like, this is a million dollar image. Like I didn't even know I had that much room in there like that I could have pulled easily. Yeah, but yeah. you know, you just like that, look at that. Right, yeah. you could look at, that's a good way to to understand it. Yeah, you can look at it black and white and then bring the color back in. If you have an advice 
uh, for people that are listening and if they are just going like, hey, I want to get inspired. Some of the questions that I get from people is just like, Kazi, I'm just not, I want to do this, but I'm not creative like X, Y, and Z. Like I can't come up with like yeah, new think, and fun looks. What can you say about that? But, I think everybody's creative. I think that's bullshit. I think everybody's creative. I think, unfortunately, a lot of times, maybe when we're younger, we don't realize that somebody put the kibosh on us. Maybe we were doing a drawing when we were six and our mom was like, what's that? You know, and that's so true. The poor kid is like, poor kid is like, oh, fuck. that is okay. so true. I'm going to banking, you know, <laughs> I ended up as an artist because I remember my auntie without like saying her actual name. Like, I just remember I overheard her talking to my mom yeah. and just saying like, hey, like your oldest son and my oldest son, th those are the smart guys. So they're going to like make it big in like IT or doctors or whatever. And then like the middle guys, she's like, you know, like whatever they end up doing, like that would be a blessing. And I just heard it and it kind of lived with me. My mom never said anything, right? Like she didn't like, oh, that oh, was yeah, her older yeah. sister. So she wasn't in on it. But I just, it kind of lived with me that, you know, I'm not the smartest one. And then it's just funny, like, Every time when the time came and they were like, oh, don't you want to become like a lawyer or a doctor or something? And I'm like, even if I try to, man, like I'm just flawed. I can't do it. You know, so I ended up here and I'm just yeah, so happy. We're all, we, we're all flawed, though. Yeah. That's the thing. That's the thing to embrace, you know, the humanity in it. What's right? What's wrong? Like in terms of, of photography, it depends on what direction of photography you want to go into. I really think that I keep going back to this, but for me, it's like. If you're going into something for like stature, that's so played out. Like that's so like 1980s. I agree with you. Like, that's, go that's not go a hot with your heart. Like like I always say, I wish like school back in the day. You know, because I'm born in the 70s. I wish school back in the day had you know a class that was a little more existential and philosophical and psychological. So instead of just like you know treating everyone like they're they're a block and you know you shove them in, you know you're just feeding them this bi biology and english in this program it's like why don't you find out what resonates with the kid and try to ex expand off that like you know our education i mean i'm not in america right now i mean but like all all around the world i think the education system could would be beneficial to do something like that you know does that make sense like get to know get to know who you are and then, you know, go from there. Now, if, if you've already been, to answer your question from before, it's like, I think everyone's creative. Like, everyone has that potentiality, you know, and, and it just requires practice. And um, you got to ignore some of this criticism and shit. And, you know, what's really hard these days is with Instagram is that, you know, obviously reels have taken over or, you know, I, people use likes as a as a gauge yeah. sometimes for like oh my work is good it's bad so it's it's not it's a, it's a bad time for assessing your you know attributes just through social media you know what i mean like you could quit like you could be great and like put it up and 15 people are going to like it and then you'd be like ah oh, man fuck this i'll put it down i mean if you're going for that but if you really feel it and you want to do it and the other thing too is like travel you know, because you're going to see the world, you're going to see all this different architecture, all these different artists, all this different diversity. You studied painting, like painting for me is like, I guess if I wasn't a photographer, I'd probably be like a painter. I think that's where I like to kind of merge the work, mm. it, like very painterly. Like that's my, that's my world there. You know? It comes 
through. It comes through yeah, like loud thanks. and clear. Thanks. Um, brother, tell people where they can find you on Instagram. Oh, yeah. Hey, everybody. Thanks for listening. I hope it was interesting. Um, I don't do these very often, so I, I like to thank Harvey, man over here. for. It's very interesting to be watching them on YouTube and then, you know, all of a sudden I'm on your show. Bro. It's cool. You like the group. No, yeah. dude, there's so much gold there. Like, I'm excited about the podcast. It's probably going to go live tomorrow. I'll, obviously, we'll send you a link. But I think there's so much stuff that you shared in there that personally I would want to, like, listen back to because uh, there's so much, like, honesty and authenticity in, like, the things that you're saying as coming from, like, a true practitioner. And I feel like people that want to kind of just, like, dig deep and, like, listen to those things it's like a master class in its own right. So like, I really appreciate you taking the time. Man, definitely, bro. Thanks for having me on. Like you guys can catch me at my, you know, Lumino, L-U-M-I-N-O. Uh, my website's ericgiovan.com. All the information is there. Um, DM me, you know, like I, I answer people back. I generally care for everyone. I try to answer most questions that I get for people and inspire whoever I can. I'm super impressed by your engagement. Like you pretty much reply back to everyone. I'm like, oh my God. And they're like thought out answers. So yeah, mad respect for that. Oh, oh cool, man. I'm glad. I'm glad. I don't know. It's just, it's, it's something I've been living for like more than 20 years. And just one thing is like freelance life is up and down all around. So it's, it can be tough, like, you know, with how the strikes were going out there. Anyway, I can go on and on, but, but really, I, I think what I'm trying to say through all this is just like, if it, if it's in your heart, then, then do it. You know, even if you're, you're doing another job, do it, express yourself. It's really important to be connected to that part of yourself brother thank you awesome dude have a good rest of your day out in la <laughs> you too brother okay. all right bye if you enjoyed this episode then please leave a review it helps so much subscribe to the podcast for more content and i will see you in the next one